Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Blue Wire. I just started recording and you're eating. (laughs) This is how we're starting. (laughs) This is how legacies are made. Just the crumple of wrappers and the sound of Greg chewing. That's going to be our podcast. I'm a loud chewer too, so... (laughs) You like have food falling out of your mouth. <laughs> okay, I will count us down. Three, two, one. Oh, wait, Hello. do a better countdown. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> and three, and two, and one. Beautiful. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Unsalvageable. This is the inaugural episode the tip-off episode i am greg foster and i am joined by the incomparable the brains and beauty of this podcast sarah todd sarah say hello yes i'm very excited the inaugural the first the debut our maiden voyage maybe we both looked up synonyms for the word first before we started this (laughs) huge Uh, shouts to uh, thesaurus.com And that's the kind of deep research you're going to be getting here at Unsalvageable. We will never miss crossing any T's or dotting any I's. We are the Miriam and Webster (laughs) of basketball podcasts. That's what they say. And if you don't know, Sarah, again, the incomparable beat reporter for the Deseret News, she's covered the Utah Jazz now. This is your second season, correct? This is my second season covering the Jazz and... Uh, The first season ended with the season being suspended because of the pandemic. Because it was all your fault. And I mean, I I was there when Rudy tested positive. So I'm, you know, who can say Did he touch your microphone? (laughs) He he did probably touch my voice recorder. So there you have it, folks. (laughs) There you have it. Case closed. This is really exciting, though. This has been in the works for quite a while. Uh, We're really excited to get just everything jumping off and just give jazz fans another place that they can go to get everything that they want, all sorts of things having to do with Utah jazz. And it's probably going to be a little bit of a weird dynamic between us because I'm coming from it from a journalist perspective. You're coming from it from a fan perspective, but I think that I got my degree in journalism. Thank you very much. (laughs) Okay. never mind. Uh, (laughs) Noted noted journalist, Greg Foster. (laughs) And I don't know. It's going to be great. I'm really excited about this. And uh, we're really excited to be on the Blue Wire podcast network and to be kicking things off. Yeah, it's it's going to be a super exciting dynamic. Um, and so what you can really expect from us is we're going to talk about about basketball, about the NBA, mostly about the jazz. I'm going to focus entire segments on Jarrell Brantley and how much I love his muscles and how he's just the sweetest boy. And I love him with every fiber of my being. Um, There are certainly things that we're going to disagree on. I think that probably today when we talk about the play in tournament, we might have some disagreements there, but one thing that we will never disagree on is our love for Jarrell Brantley. 
he so i i have i am a father as most people know you can actually follow me on twitter dad sham dad what's your what's your handle again really good plug oh yeah i'm at incredible segue i'm at nba sarah nba sarah with an h on all of the socials but i i digress and when i say that i'm a father uh i have fathered a single child by myself that actually is proven and you know, is my boy, but I am a father to too many. I have many adopted sons. And uh, as much as parents like to say that they don't choose favorites, Jarrell Brantley is my favorite adopted son. <laughs> yeah, same. He is uh, both thick and jacked, which is, if you understand the dad sham dad brand, thick jacked is, again, very high in the totem pole, incredibly high in the hierarchy. It's two of the qualities that I hold the highest and that sums up Jarrell Brantley but you know we'll talk about other things we'll talk about how good uh George Niang has been how he's kind of turned into like Kirkland's signature Clay Thompson which kind of rules uh pro tip about Kirkland is that a lot of their brands actually are real name brands they're just under the Kirkland label breaking (laughs) news here it's sneaky it's sneaky they get you with they get you with a name brand and they slap a cheap label on it but you didn't even know that you were getting the good stuff and that's what we're getting from George Niang let's go yeah he's been he's been crazy good well we'll we're gonna dedicate entire episodes to that kind of stuff um so again what you can expect from us is is NBA and jazz talk but we need to expect from you are a few things you need to follow us on Twitter like subscribe review all of that good stuff that helps build the podcast in popularity gets us what we need we will give you what you need scratch our back we'll scratch yours kind of a thing it's going to be wonderful it's a beautiful relationship as much as we call this the pod unsalvageable maybe not so much in this relationship think about when we think of the term unsalvageable and how it has been come become connected with the utah jazzes they were called unsalvageable but look what they're doing number one in the league and that's what we're expecting from ourselves people might call us unsalvageable we're, we're going to be the number one podcast for you and speaking of unsalvageable things i think that we you know i want people to get our personalities and they're going to get that as they go but i think that we need to start talking about something and that's the play in tournament and as i understand it you're not as happy as i am about it i hate it i yeah. think it's i think it's absolutely terrible and and it's for really for two reasons one it rewards mediocrity i'm <laughs> sorry but if you suck in the regular season you don't deserve to be in the playoffs There's a reason, like, and not only that, but like the 18 playoff thing has worked. If it's not broken, don't fix it. I understand that the league is kind of staggering and in need of viewership and money that it's been hemorrhaging since COVID, but like, sorry, but if you're the, if you're the Spurs and you're the 10th seed, you don't deserve the playoffs guys. There's a few things. Uh, When I first was going through and I wrote a column about this on uh, mm-hmm. Deseret.com that you can go and read. And I, I sort of went through the pros and cons. And at the point that I wrote the column, I didn't really know where I landed. And I was feeling like I was more towards where you're feeling. Um, I wasn't very happy with it. But as the season has progressed since I wrote that column, I think I I like the play-in tournament for basketball, for the league, for the business side of it. Uh, and even for the competition, I like it for everything outside of myself. I hate the playing tournament for myself. Because 72 games is simply not enough competition. Well, I, I'll get into the reasons that I'm okay <laughs> with it. 
real quick, I'll say as a reporter who covers a team that is going to be playing one of the play-in tournament teams, uh, it is very difficult to do playoff preview coverage when you it's not even down to four teams at this point. So that is very difficult from a reporter's perspective, but that's my job. I'll get around it. Uh, and the reasons that I do like it though, I mean, we don't have to get into too much of like the business side of it. It's great for the NBA, for the ratings, the money. I mean, I'll be watching. 100%. Right. We're going to be watching. Like they've, yeah. they've done a good job in bringing us in and making us feel like we have to watch it. It's going to be the true detective season two of basketball. And then I'm going to watch it and hate every single minute of it, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to watch it. Yeah. And everyone else, and people who are not fans of the teams that are in the plan are going to be watching because it might determine who their favorite team is going to be playing. So you're going to get yeah. people who wouldn't normally watch those teams, watch the play in tournament. It's great for that kind of stuff. It's great for competition. I mean, uh, at the time that we're recording this, there's roughly three games left in the regular season for all of the teams. And at this point, you've still got 10 to 12 teams competing in the NBA season. We don't get that very often where we're down to the last handful of games and all of these teams are really competing. I mean, we're only going to have maybe eliminations from some of those bottom teams tonight. But I mean, right. I think it's just a very good dynamic to watch this competition. Who who does the play-in suck for? It sucks for the seven and eight seed, right? That's who. It Everyone sucks for else, the one and two seed too. I mean, if we were in a regular NBA season and not the pandemic shortened season, you know, you could have the play-in tournament and then maybe a, like a one or two week gap in between the play-in and the playoffs. And then it wouldn't suck so bad because then you can still have preparation time. Yes, that's, and that was my big point is like the Jazz and the Suns and the Clippers who were pretty much guaranteed into those those uh, top three seeds. We're not exactly sure how it's going to shake up. There's an outside chance that uh, Phoenix gets the one seed or the Clippers get the two seed. Jazz get the one seed, but those are the teams who have earned it in the regular season. They've played incredibly hard. They've won the jazz, especially against all odds. How many people at the beginning of the season, how many NBA pundits were talking about the jazz missing the playoffs, like a large handful of them. And they end up the one seed. And like, think of that, like you bust your and you have the best record in the, in the, uh, in the regular season. I mean, there's a really good chance the the jazz end up, I don't know. 53 and 19, 52 and 20, best, not even just the best record in the Western Conference, but the best record in the league. And you still don't know at the end of the season who you're going to play against in the playoffs. And that puts you at a disadvantage when it comes to scouting and preparing, which I don't necessarily agree with if you've earned the number one spot. Like, I feel like there should be more advantages than disadvantages if you're, if you're at the top spot. And a a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, you know, these NBA teams have scouts that are watching all of their potential playoff matchups or just every team in the league. They have teams of people that it's their job to focus on one team only. And so it's not like preparation is bare minimum and they start preparation as soon as they find out who. So there is work being done and there is preparation being made. It's just that once that seed is locked in, then you get to kind of get a little bit more nuanced. Quinn Snyder maybe has a little bit more role in the preparation. He has a little bit more time to game plan. And so that's what I'm saying is like, if we're looking past this season where you might have a larger window between the play-in tournament and the playoffs, because right now that window is literally one day. 
between the right. Indian tournament right, and, right. and the playoffs starting. And so, you know, you could be looking at a situation where the eight seed is determined on a Friday. And then on Sunday, the Jazz are playing their first game of that series. And so that is an incredibly short window. Pandemic season, number two, I'm okay. Let's roll the dice and just go with it. But I think if I sure. project, you know, and part of the reason is like that I got mad at first about the play and was I was thinking, you know, you go 82 or 72 in this case games. And then, and then what's that for? And then the top eight seeds just don't matter, right? But that's kind of like my traditional basketball way of thinking. If we did this play in tournament, the way that we're doing it this season, and then you project five, 10, 15 years out at that point, you know, our traditional way of thinking is going to be on the way that we're going to be thinking is, oh yeah, the, 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 top, shift. the top 10, the top six seeds get in. And then we have a wild card tournament basically. And so like once you once your mind shifts away from what has been to what will be, I think that we'll get a little bit more used to it and it'll be easier to accept. Growth mindset, Sarah Todd. <laughs> you still look angry. <laughs> I, no, I get what you're saying. And I think ultimately I will be much more comfortable with it next season. Yeah. But like, you know, again, I'm, I'm a jazz fan and they're likely going to be the number one seed. Yeah. And I want to see my baby boys have every single advantage they can possibly have COVID season or not. Right. And I like, heard- yeah, like if, if this was a, a full 82 game season and the jazz are, are the one seed say next year, hypothetically, and there is like, I don't know, uh, a 10 to 14 day window, way more comfortable with that. I also but- heard I, a couple of um, a different NBA analysts I heard throw out this idea. I think that the most recent one that I heard, I'm sorry if it's not the first, but I remember Zach Lowe had said it on his podcast that maybe because the idea of being the one or two seed should give you a larger advantage. You deserve an advantage heading into the postseason. Yes, so maybe exactly my point. Maybe what they do is moving forward, a good idea would be let the number one seed first and then the number two seed choose who they want as their opponent out of that, like who, you know, the teams who do the play in tournament, they get the seven, eight seed, the number one seed gets to choose the one out of those two teams that they play in the, in the first round. Hell yeah. Like give me uh, the Grizzlies and John Morant over Steph Curry and the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, if it let exactly that, if it ends up being Warriors and Grizzlies who get the seventh and eighth seed out of the play in tournament, then it, in this theoretical world, then the jazz would be able to say we want the grizzlies instead yeah absolutely I, that's something i would actually be much cooler with yeah again i understand that i'm cherry picking you know and like let's say if the jazz were the eighth seed and like we had to choose between like a super loaded uh lakers team who are hypothetically the number one seed and like uh a phoenix suns team who the jazz have battled with uh at the two seed like i would much rather the Jazz play that Suns team then like have to play LeBron in the playoffs because I still always revert, resort back to that Shea Serrano uh, flow chart that right. says, does, does your team have LeBron James in the playoffs? Yes or no? Okay. If your team has LeBron James, cool. Congratulations. You're going to the finals. Does your team not have right. LeBron James? Congratulations. You just lost in the conference championships. I mean, and that's, that's a good point and a good segue for maybe us to to talk about uh, preferable matchups yes. for the Utah Jazz. Uh-huh. And, you know, right now the seedings 
are a little bit wonky in the West. Um, probably by the time that you're hearing this, it's clear maybe even the play-in uh, teams have been decided. But in general, the four teams that are considered to probably be going into the play-in tournament are the Warriors, the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Grizzlies. That looks yeah. like it's what, what it's going to be. I'm uh, still I'm still kind of going in the direction that I think the Lakers are going to end up the sixth seed. Yeah. Because they have a very favorable last three games while the Blazers have like murderers row. I think they have the Suns, the Jazz tonight, um, and then the Nuggets as well. Like those are three very good playoff teams. And I don't think that there's much of a chance that a, the Blazer team that has been kind of struggling lately is, is going to go three and L. Right. Um, like I said, you're probably, you might be listening to this and these things might have already been decided, but so we're recording this on, what is the day? It's Wednesday, May 12th is when we're recording this episode. If we're looking towards the postseason, I think that, you know, if you can get, if the Jazz can get the Grizzlies or the Spurs, that's an easy call. Yes. 100%. It's easy. One of, one of them, either of them, who cares? The Jazz could probably easily take care of that in a first round series. I have no worries about them winning that matchup. It's unlikely to happen because they're going, if they go into the play-in with the Lakers and the Warriors, then that the Lakers and the Warriors are probably going to end up with a seven, eight seed. Yeah. hundred percent. If that is the case, then what I'm understanding from the, the, you know, the famed Shea Serrano flow chart is that you want the Warriors rather than the Lakers. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Which how bad would it suck for the Phoenix Suns who have just had this remarkable season? Like CP three has been a revelation should absolutely be top three in MVP votes. Like he's, he's really just come in and given them everything they want. I think we saw uh, uh, shades of what could be a very good team in the, in the bubble last year with the, the Suns went undefeated. they went undefeated in the bubble which wasn't even enough to get them a playoff spot right not, and you you know you got a young player like Devin Booker which no matter what jazz fans think of him he he's that, really good that is a great basketball player and for him to be in his first playoff appearance like he's got made his first playoff berth and he's going to be showing out and DeAndre Ayton's been playing better he's going to be standing next to Chris Paul like that's going to be an all-star next year that's my that's my bold prediction He's been so, so good for that team. And like, it's not necessarily Gobert level defensively, but he is that like big man rim protector. Right. That kind of uh, is the the anchor, the fulcrum of uh, Phoenix's defense. I'm a big DeAndre Ayton fan. I love the guy. I'm a little bit colder on Ayton than that. I still want to see more. I feel like he's so up and down. Um and he has been this season too, but he, he has been playing better of late. And I think it's at the right time. I mean, whenever a player can, their trajectory is going upward when it gets near the end of the season. And especially yeah. if you're a playoff team, that gives me a little bit more confidence. Um, but yeah, as you said, I mean, what if, you know, this amazing run, this amazing season, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and then they get slapped by LeBron in the first round. Well, not only that, but they, like, we saw it, what was it, two nights ago, like the, the, uh, the Suns don't have an answer for Anthony Davis either. Who do right. you put on him? Like Mikhail Bridges isn't big enough. Jay Crowder's not big enough or athletic enough. Aiden's and Deion, not fast enough. And a Aiden's not fast enough. Yeah. Like he's going to like, AD is going to go into that series. And if he's healthy and he, he plays as well as he has been since he's come back, 
uh, he's going to average 35 and 12 against that team. And that gives LeBron a little bit of a chance to like, I don't know, maybe pump the brakes and not have to do, you know, not have to be full blown uh, playoff brawn in the first, first round coming off an ankle injury. But yeah, it would be, it would be devastating. And like, you know, if I were a betting man, which of course I'm not because I'm chaste and I'm virtuous. I'm just uh, cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, daycare is not cheap. Um, but yeah, I would absolutely put all of my money on the Lakers because they have enough defenders to at least, I mean, you're not going to stop Booker or Chris Paul, but you can at least make them work. Yeah. And as far as the Jazz are concerned with their matchup with the Warriors, I mean, if, if I'm comparing the two. Right. You know, there is a little bit of piece of me that thinks the Jazz have had a little bit of trouble on perimeter defense. And yeah, the, the Lakers are not going to beat you from the perimeter. You know, I mean, AD is going to hit a couple of threes. LeBron's going to hit a couple of threes, but you're not trusting anyone else to really like be snipers out there for the Lakers. And so that makes me lean a little bit towards the Lakers as a favorable matchup because they'd have to beat you at the rim and you've got Rudy Gobert. But, but at the same time, like AD has a history of cooking Gobert. Right. It was just and last season that he dropped 40 plus on it. Exactly. And, uh, you know, no matter if you get 50% of a LeBron James, I'm still not going to bet against him right now. Like until I'm proven wrong, I don't bet yeah. against LeBron James. And, you know, if, and I think that what we saw, I mean, the, the jazz played the warriors the other night, they lost that game. Sure. But mm -hmm. they didn't have two of their all-stars on the court. And I think with a little bit more ball pressure from guys like Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, that that's actually a pretty good matchup that I think, you know, I don't think Stephen Curry can carry that team through a seven game series. Yeah, again, like before we we started recording, we were talking about this and like the game plan has to be like, you know, let Steph get his. Steph is going to get his regardless. Steph is going to end his career as one of the 10 best players in the history of the NBA. And you definitely put high ball. It's not like you just yeah. leave him open. You put high ball pressure on him and make it work for it. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not going... saying like you just let him go one on one ISO and, and you know, let but him. You don't send a double team at him for every sure. play. You don't make everything about Steph. You, you're, he's going to get his and you know he is. He has to work hard for it in order to get it. But then don't let Jordan Poole score 20 points and Ken Bazemore score 20 points. And then you're probably fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, as, as, as good as he was last night, like Andrew Wiggins does not keep me up at night. No, I don't think he keeps anybody up at night. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do agree with you. Yeah. But um, I think there's there's a question though, even you know, hypothetically, if it is the Warriors, or regardless of even who the Jazz play in the playoffs, and that's health and continuity. Yeah. Like we have we have two guys, two of what the Jazz's top three players. I don't think it's really arguable that Mike Donovan and Rudy are the big three of this team, as well as Boyan has been playing as of late. He's been he's been wonderful. But those those are those are your guys. Those are yeah. your top three. They're, Donovan's not going to be back into the playoffs. We're not really sure on Mike. Correct? What's the, what's the latest correct. word on Mike? Yeah, correct. the The latest word on Mike is that we're still just getting day to day updates on him. Um, but 
Mike himself has said that this injury is not as bad as anyone is making it out to be. He re-aggravated a hamstring. There's absolutely no reason to rush him back right now. Right. Hamstrings can be fickle. Give him as much rest as he absolutely needs. I completely agree with the Jazz's approach on that. 100%. And um, I mean, and you bring up a good point. It's a the continuity, whether or not these two guys come back with rust, if chemistry is obstructed at all by the amount of time that they've had out, that is a concern that everybody outside of the jazz has. And actually I brought this up this morning when we were talking to Joe Ingles and I asked him, I said, this is the discourse outside. People are worried about rust with Donovan and Mike. What from the inside are you guys thinking? And he was like, yeah, we don't think about that at all. Donovan Mitchell is a kid. He's going to play the same way, whether it's now or three weeks ago or three weeks in the future, he's going to be the same player. Maybe he takes a practice or a shoot around or the first quarter of the first game to kind of get his rhythm back a little bit. You don't have to worry about Donovan Mitchell losing his basketball mojo after a sprained ankle. Okay. Yeah. As I far would... as, as go ahead. okay but what i what i do worry about though is that when you get an ankle and a hamstring injury is that it's not a bump or a bruise and like there's a whole mental side of that like i can say this as somebody who's broken his ankle playing playing basketball and it took not only did it take a long time for me to get right physically it takes a very long time for you to get right mentally you're scared to go up and contest and go for rebounds or you know go up in the trees and finish with traffic and that's what I worry about with with Donovan and Mike Conley like I I don't expect Donovan not to play hard but like I'm not sure that he's gonna they're going to be completely 100% when they get back. Those are just injuries that that don't allow for that. Right. And I think that that was kind of what Joe Ingles was talking about this morning when he said, you know, maybe they take a shoot around, a practice, first quarter of the first game to kind of get back into a little bit of rhythm. So they're not being trepidatious with those injuries. Sure. But outside of like Mike Conley, seasoned vet, um, you know, Joe joked with me this morning he said yeah you know mike might might be rusty but that's because he's old as hell so yeah he's gonna be rusty always haha <laughs> that yeah. feels that feels great hearing jokes <laughs> about mike conley being old as hell when he's what 32 yeah he's young he's 33 he's younger than both of us yeah so. he's younger than both of us that feels awesome <laughs> like i saw that t- there was a tweet uh that was making the rounds this last week that was like um oh it's amazing to hear athletes you know when they're saying this guy is 32 years old he's, he's on the, the tail oldest end of his career yeah, he's, he's the oldest player in the league it's an absolute miracle that he's still playing or like he's still alive let alone playing the game at this rate we're both gonna die next year because 100%. we're so old <laughs> i i'm going to do a drop step when i play pickup basketball and my leg is just gonna turn into sand yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably break my hip tonight riding my bicycle to the <laughs> arena. So, like I'm just gonna get swept away like the like like I'm a victim of the Thanos snap. Poor poor Mike Conley and his age, and and his paycheck. Yeah, we're all feeling real bad. <laughs> um, yeah, man's got like 140 million reasons to feel okay. Yeah, but I, I mean, I love you, Mike. Just yeah. I love you so much. You're a wonderful man. <laughs> you know if. If, uh, you know, two, three, four weeks out from the game is going to break what the Utah Jazz have, 
then I'm of the opinion that they weren't ready for this anyways. 100%. And so when Mike and Donovan are reinserted back into the lineup, they should be playing the same style of basketball. It's not like Donovan left and that took away their ISO player and they turned into a different style. They've still been playing the same style. It's just been more touches for Boyan, more touches for Jordan. Um, And, but it's been, you know, the same, you know, work off of a pick and roll, drive and kick, try to find the open shooters if you can, if not find something at the rim. It's very simple basketball, but Mm -hmm. very nice basketball that the Jazz play. And I think that because of that style, it gives you a chance to insert Donovan and insert Mike a little bit more seamlessly than you might have if it was more of an isolation style style of basketball. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I do think, you know, with the chance that Mike and Donovan not being 100% and being a little rusty and needing a a game or two to, you know, kind of get the flow of things, that the Jazz are going to need to rely on other guys, especially especially Bogey and especially Clarkson, who have both been really pretty fantastic since Mike and Donovan have been out. I mean, Bogey was the uh, the Western Conference Player of the Week last last week and first Jazz player this season to get it. Yeah, and dropped forty eight on a pretty good Nuggets team and kind of put the uh, the death knell in the whole discourse of oh why didn't the Jazz trade Boyan for Aaron Gordon? <laughs> I never ever want to hear that again. Shut up forever. And there's, and there's so many people, I mean, if we, if we have Boyan that has, if he has one more game uh, through the rest of regular season, or he's got one game during the playoffs where he maybe goes O of eight or something from the three point line, those people are going to come right back at you. I don't care. They're stupid. (laughs) And I'll look at them. And when, when Denver flames out in the second round, because they don't have, you know, yeah, Jamal. Jamal Murray, and then, you know, Aaron Gordon can't guard LeBron or can't guard Kawhi Leonard despite you know what the what the rumors say then you know i'll be i'll be riding high i'll be fat and happy i think that you know if we if we're projecting a little bit towards um you know deeper in the playoffs what what is a team that worries you outside of those teams that we've already discussed that might be in the play in that seven eight seed who are you not wanting to see in the second or third round the lakers or the clippers yeah Uh, I think, you know, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum off the pod, uh, but I still think the Jazz have a, have a weakness and it's on the defensive end. And I still think, I mean, if, if we're going to make bold predictions, uh, I don't expect the Jazz to make the Western Conference finals this year. I do think that they're a second round exit. And I think it has everything to do with just, I think part of it's experience and part of it is personnel and they don't have that second perimeter defender as much as I love Jarrell Brantley. And I think he can be that guy. He's not that guy yet. And and Royce O'Neal has been a revelation this year. I think that Royce O'Neal has a chance to make an all defensive team, but Royce O'Neal is one guy and there's this weird kind of, I don't know if it's a rumor or reputation that like Boyan is this sneaky, good defender. He's not, he's not (laughs) a sneaky, good defender. love the guy. I think he's, he's been fabulous for the jazz. He's not a very good defender and he's going to get targeted in the playoffs. And I just don't trust him when you're going up against a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George or LeBron James, he's going to get hunted. 
that's the thing that worries me. I think that's why I think of the Clippers as one of yeah. if I'm if I'm the Jazz, I'm scared the most of the Clippers as the playoffs progress because mm-hmm. uh they're gonna switch everything and that makes they're it a very so tough deep. matchup. They're very, very deep. They switch seamlessly and I think that that's going to cause some problems for the jazz. They have played better against switching defenses over the last couple of months, but every once in a while they come up against another switching defense and it kind of hurts them a little bit. They haven't figured it out completely. Right. And I, that's, that's what worries me. I do think, I mean, it thing about the playoffs is you can talk all you want about like skill and talent and everything, but there might be an injury. One team might shoot, you know, 19% from three, one night, and you might get a leg up on them. I think that the jazz do have a chance to go to the Western conference finals, depending on how the cards fall, during which matchup they get. It's all going to completely depend, but yeah, it's going to take them playing the style of basketball that we saw through their, you know, two double digit win streaks this season. It's going to take them playing peak Utah jazz basketball. Yeah, like I think there's there's a chance. I mean, playoff play in tournament, the only team that I would bet against the Jazz in the playing tournament would be the Lakers, barring if they're healthy. Like LeBron or AD go down in in that series against the Jazz, the hypothetical one eight, Jazz win that series. Yes. But and as much as the Warriors and Steph scare me, I'm still putting money on them on the Jazz to beat the Warriors as well as the Spurs and the Grizzlies. Spurs and Grizzlies do not. I think the Jazz are undefeated against those teams this year. They're definitely against the Grizzlies. I'd have yeah. to go back and look at the Spurs, but I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I think right. and I think they've beaten the Spurs. In fact, I think they've blown out the Spurs a couple of times this they year. They have recently. Yeah. Yeah. And they won they won the game earlier this season too. So they yeah. are I think they're 6 and 0 against those teams. And those teams have- don't scare me. Um, and let's say hypothetically four or five right now is Nuggets Mavericks. Yeah. Um, I would pick the jazz to beat either one of those teams. I agree. You know, and it's, it's not like I'm saying any of these are easy outs. Like you're going to have to, you're going to have to contend with Luka Doncic's maybe putting up 50 points on you. You're going to have to contend with the fact that Nikola Jokic, who's probably going to win MVP this season is going to completely dominate in the playoffs. He's going to look great. Those are not going to be easy series. It's not going to be a sweep, but I do take the jazz in a seven game series of both Mm -hmm. against both of those teams. Yeah, I'm with it. So Again, another reason why I really need the Jazz to get into the one seed because when you look at the way the the playoffs are shaping shaping out to be and and kind of the landscape, it's a much more preferable road to to be the one seed. You can more than likely avoid the Lakers or the Clippers until the Western Conference Finals, which you absolutely want to do. Um, So... I mean, the Jazz have a really good chance to do that. They have a pretty preferable schedule. I mean, they play the Blazers tonight, the Thunder, and the Kings, and they only have to go two and one. Yeah. And the Thunder are tanking. I would say that's a win. The Kings are tanking as well. I, I mean, I just plus it's the Kings, and they have Luke Walton as a coach. The one game that gets that scares me is the game tonight, and I always am scared of Damian Lillard because yeah, he's a and Dame and Dame can him. do what he does always, and right. um, but even at that token, I think even without Donovan Mitchell, and Mike Conley, that the Jazz probably have a chance to win that game too because, mm-hmm. um, you know they've you know Portland has been I mean at this point going into tonight you know May twelfth 
I think that the Blazers are eight and two over their last 10. They've been playing a lot better, but that defense just is they not going to cut it. They can't defend anyone. No, that defense is not going to cut it. And so it doesn't even worry me at all. And like, usually, you know, Nurkic has been playing better as of late, but again, like you've got Rudy Gobert, he's going to shut down the rim. Yeah. Um, and yeah, really the one guy who really, really scares me on that team is Dame. And he's um, the one guy on that team that scares anyone in the NBA. Then none sure. of that's a surprise. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a top 10 guy in the NBA and top 10 guys are going to scare you regardless. This is probably a good place to wrap it up for today. Yeah. I think that I just want to say to the listeners that I'm very excited about this. I'm really excited about recording with Greg, a dear friend and someone that I think that, you know, we've got great chemistry, just like the jazz and equally as unsalvageable uh, as it were. And I'm just, I'm excited to, to talk with you guys. We should say also, you know, we're going to have mailbag episodes. We want to yes. interact with you guys. Please, uh, we have a, an email set up at unsalvagablepod at gmail.com unsalvagablepod at gmail.com send us anything you want you can send us criticisms of which we will pay no attention to you can send us <laughs> you can send us love mail which we will definitely read on the air and you can send us questions and so when we have a mail get bag episode we'll dig in there um, and look for those you can also tweet at us i'm at nba sarah um, greg is at dad sham dad and I'm, I'm just really looking forward to it i'm really happy and this is really going to be good you are my pick and roll partner. You are the go bear to my angles. <laughs> you are the unto my salvageable. Yes. It's all beautiful. Right. Thank you all very, very much for, for tuning in. Um, we will be back hopefully in the next you know couple of days, if not the next week. We're going to do some, uh, some awards predictions. We're going to talk more playoffs. We're going to get everybody ready because it's the best time of the year. It is the best time of the year. It's spring, Christmas. Spring has sprung. My sprinklers are <laughs> fully functional. I spent the morning getting those all done. Um, the the backyard is going to be green and beautiful, which is you know much like the Jazz's green uniforms is a sign of just wonderful things to come. Yeah, that's a hell of a segue. I'm, I'm real proud of that one. <laughs> but yeah, um, and again, like, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Um, send me all of your adoring tweets. I'll, I'll read those. Yes. Look for us in the feed every, every Wednesday regularly. And then also we'll be bringing you game recap pods and deep dives on other days as bonuses. So pay attention, uh, follow us, subscribe, any of everything that, uh, Greg already said, and we'll see you next time. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.